Hi friends, welcome to the Sis Live Your Best Life podcast show. I'm your host Denise and I'm just a girl who had big hopes and dreams and decided to chase after them with everything I had in me and I radically changed my life. And guess what? I'm just like you. Anyone can change their life and that's what this show is all about. So what are you waiting for sis? Are you ready to change your life? Let's do this. Hi friends, welcome back to another episode of the Sis Love Your Best Life podcast show. It has been a hot minute since I have been on here and done a recording for you guys. Um, it's been quite a while actually. Um, last month in February was the one year anniversary since I moved to Las Vegas from Arkansas and so much has happened in that year. Um, so I just wanted to start off with a new series here that I'm going to be doing starting with today um, called Love Like Jesus, Dealing with Grief and Forgiveness. Um, just about three weeks before my one-year anniversary of moving from Las Vegas to Arkansas, I actually had to go back to Arkansas because my father passed away. And so I went back. He passed away on February the 5th, 2022, and I went back the week before to be with him before he passed away and to be with, and to take care of his th- final expenses and everything and final preparations after he passed away. But um, one of the things that I learned along this journey was that how to love like Jesus and how to deal with grief and forgiveness because I didn't have a very good relationship with my father for my entire life until the last 10 months of his life. And so what I learned was just how to let God help me get past all of my anger and resentment towards him and be with him when he passed away and love him like Jesus would. And it turned out to be such a beautiful thing that I was able to be there and to do that with him. And so I'm just going to start out today by talking about my story with my father and kind of how God helped me along the way to get past the grief and the, and the resentment and the anger that I had with him and a little bit of our history together and then how God took all of that in the last 10 months of his life made it a beautiful thing for us to have because the last 10 months of 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 his life are going to be the months that I remember for the rest of my life was that time that I was able to have that God gave us to reconnect and build a relationship with him before he passed away and so um you want to stay tuned for all of the episodes coming up if you are someone who is dealing with grief forgiveness anything along those lines. I have several episodes also coming up as well. We're going to be talking about that. And so let's get on with today's episode. All right. So talking about grief and forgiveness with my father, I just want to talk about this today, the story of me and my dad. And like I said, me and my father did not have much of a relationship at all for my entire life. Now, my parents were Christians. I was raised in a Christian home. They were married for the entire time that I lived at home. They actually didn't get divorced until um, 2010. And so all the years that I was growing up at home, I had both of my parents in the home. We went to church and all all that good stuff. And but my father, when I was 10 years old, was diagnosed with manic depressive disorder. Um, Now today, that's more commonly known as bipolar disorder. But being a child, I did not understand everything that that meant. I just knew that my dad wasn't the kind of dad that I wanted him to be and didn't understand why, you know, all the ins and the outs of his his manic depression, bipolar disorder, 
how that was affecting him. I just know that for all of my adult life, my father was not the man that I wanted him to be as my dad. And, you know, I think every little girl wants a, relation, a good relationship with their father. Because even at 40-something years old, the little girl in me still wanted that. So my entire life, my dad was in the home, but he was on all kinds of medication for his, for his mental health issues. And just he had so many issues that he was dealing with on his own. And on top of all that, he just wasn't raised to be a man to know how to show his expressions and his feelings and tell people that he loved them. And to just, he wasn't raised with that kind of, of, of attitude and, and know-how. So he just, on top of having mental illness, he didn't know how to express himself. Another thing that I did not realize and understand being a child until I was a grown woman, you know, more about how, how that those things work um, for adults. And so my dad, like I said, being in the home, we, we were in the home and we had a lot of good memories. Now, don't get me wrong. There were a lot of times where we had great memories with my dad, but those were more the more more often than not. There wasn't those memories than there were those memories. And so it just wasn't a relationship between me and him where we were on the same page, I guess you could say. We didn't mesh. There was no real connection there. I knew he was my dad. He knew I was his daughter. There was some love feelings there, yes, but that's about as far as it went. And as I got older, especially once I got grown and got out on my own and that sort of thing, my dad just wasn't a big part of my life, if at all. You know, typically he did not, you know, call me or come around unless he wanted something or if it was going to benefit him in some way. And it wasn't unusual for me to go months without talking to my dad. And I had gotten comfortable with that. I, I you know, I, I say I got comfortable with that. I got used to that. You know, I remember every year on my birthday calling my mom crying still. I mean, th this was happening still in my 30s and, and, and early 40s. And I'm 47, almost 48, still calling my mom every year on my birthday, crying, wanting to know why dad didn't love me because he couldn't be bothered to call me on my birthday. So that's the kind of relationship I had with my dad as I became an adult. It just really wasn't much of anything. I would hear from him a few times a year, usually at some sort of a holiday, Thanksgiving, Christmas, that sort of thing. We would see him. But other than that, you know, me and my brother just didn't have a relationship with our dad. And finally, I got to the place where I just resolved myself that I was done chasing him down, trying to make him to want to be a part of my life because I was wasting a lot of time and a lot of energy and focusing too much on what I couldn't change instead of things that I could control. And I couldn't control what he wanted and what he did, but I could control how I reacted to that and what I was going to do about it. So I stopped, you know, he always knew how to contact me. He always knew my number. He always knew where to find me if he wanted to talk to me. And I always left that door open. So if he wanted to talk to me, he could. Again, most of the time he didn't. Well, last year, I, when I left Arkansas and moved to Las Vegas, I didn't tell anybody except my daughter and who, who I moved out here to be closer to. And, you know, my a close family, my mom, my brother knew, a few, a few friends knew, very close friends. And, but most of, for the most part, nobody knew until after I made the decision and actually got out here. 
including my father. And about a month after I got here, he called one night and, you know, to talk, tell me that he had been in the hospital and that sort of thing and because and, he had some health issues. And so that's when I told him, I said, well, I have something to tell you, Dad. I said, um, I don't live in Arkansas anymore. I moved to Las Vegas, been out here for about a month, closer to my daughter, my granddaughter, my daughter-in-law. Um, and he was, he was intrigued. He goes, well, really? I said, yeah. And so we started talking that night and, you know, just talked for a while. And then I didn't think a whole lot about it. Well, a few days later, he calls again. And a few days later, he called again. And I was really, honestly, you guys, I was really skeptical. Because like I said, my dad did not contact me a whole lot, usually unless he wanted something or if it benefited him in some way. So I was pretty skeptical about why what he wanted. But we continued, I continued to answer the phone when he would call and we talked. And it just started out with like some small talk, you know, how things are going, what's life like in Vegas, you like it out there, blah, blah, blah. And as time went on, he called more and more, sometimes every single day. And we began to have real meaningful conversations over the phone. And it was during this time that God began to do a work. Because I began to see that dad was not calling because he wanted anything. He was calling because he just wanted to talk to me. And so we just continued to talk. And we continued to have deep meaning, more meaningful conversations and as time went on some of those conversations got pretty deep and so as we talked and a couple of few months later in june last year my mom who had moved to texas a few years ago to to live with my brother because she has dementia i had to go to a nursing home and that was one of the hardest things for me because i always had an extremely close relationship with my mom and so it had been a while since I, you know, I used to talk to my mom every single day on the phone, sometimes two or three hours at a time. We were just very, very close my whole life and, and into my adult, adulthood, it was the same way. But for several years, since she had moved to Texas, especially and her dementia had progressed, the, the relationship with her just wasn't the same. You know, I know she loves me and it's not her fault, but I was really missing that connection. And when, and when she went to the nursing home and I realized that it was going to be a real thing where mom was really going into this nursing home. You know, I just broke my heart. I couldn't stand it. And I was talking to dad on the phone. I've been telling him what was going on. He always asked about mom. And a few nights later, after she went to the nursing home, I was talking to him on the phone. Couldn't even keep it together because I was crying so hard. And I said, dad, I said, I don't know how to do this. You know, for the first time in my, I said, Dad, for the first time in my adult life, the one person that I've always been able to count on, who always knew what to say and always knew what to do, I can't call her and ask her what to do. And he sat, and I'm crying my heart out. And he sat there for a minute, and he didn't say anything. And he says, well, Denise, he said, there's nothing wrong with my mind, and you can always call and talk to me. And I just completely lost it because that was my dad's way of telling me he loved me. And there, there was only one or two other times I could count on one less than a handful of fingers how many times in my life he had actually told me that he loved me. 
And so that's when the relationships got really, really meaningful. At the end of June, just a few weeks after this happened, at the end of June, I got a call from dad one day that he had to go to the hospital and they had had to put a stent in his pancreas. Something, something was blocked, a bile duct or something was blocked. But he said, Denise, while they were in there, they found a mass on my pancreas and they, they did a biopsy. We're waiting on the results. And about a week went by and they got the results back and he had pancreatic cancer. And so he started treatments and he seemed pretty hopeful that the doctors and the doctors as well, they had caught it really, really early. It wasn't, he had went in to have a stent put in, but it wasn't related to the cancer, I don't believe. And it was just one of those, one of those God things that, it, that he went in to the hospital to get checked out when he did. That's how they found it. Um, so we got started on treatments. All of his doctors were really hopeful that they were going to be able to, you know, get him treated and, and he, would, he might be okay. And so they did some treatments for a couple of months and he had to go to see the surgeon to find out if he, they could do how, what the progress was from the treatments. They wanted to do surgery to remove the tumor from his pancreas, but um, he had, he went several times that so he had to do several treatments. And uh, so they, they did the treatments and he went back to see the surgeon again. And the surgeon said, you know, Mr. Turley, I'm sorry, but we're, we can't do the sur we can't do surgery to, to remove the tumor because he, your heart isn't strong enough. See, he had had open heart surgery in February of 20, or no, it was January, January of 2021. And this was in, by this point, it was probably around October or so of 2021. Um, he had had quadruple bypass surgery. And so they tried, they evaluated him several times. He, they weren't going to be able to do the surgery to remove the tumor. We'll be right back after a word from today's sponsor. Do you want to change your life? Are you stuck in life and just don't know how or just don't see a way to change your circumstances? Are you letting fear and hesitation stop you? If so, then my masterclass, Four Steps to Success, that will change your life can help you. In December of 2020, I was tired of living a life that I didn't love, and I knew that I wanted more and that I was made for more. I just didn't know how to make that happen. But I started praying for God to show me the way, and man, did he show up big time. I started taking the steps he was showing me, and finally, in February 2021, I was ready to take the leap. I packed up all of my belongings that would fit in my car, including myself and my dog, and I drove 1,200 miles across the country to Las Vegas, Nevada, where my daughter and her family live, so that I could be closer to them. And after I did that, people wanted to know what I was doing and how what I did to get started and get to a point to where I was living a life that I loved. And that's how this masterclass was created, because I used these same four steps to, cre to create the life that I love and to change my own life. And in this course, you will learn how to evaluate your life, how to get a decided heart, how to make a solid action plan, and then how to bring it all together and start taking the steps towards making your own dreams a reality. This is a free video course with a workbook that you can do at your own pace. To enroll now, go to houseofhopeundivided.com 
and click on the or to click on the link in the description in below and I can't wait to see you in class. And now back to part two of today's episode. Because his heart, they said it was a very involved, long process, long surgery. Most healthy people struggle to re survive and recover that surgery. They pretty much said, we, we, we won't do it. You, you won't survive. So um, the prognosis at that point was just to continue treatments. The, the surgeon said, you know, the best that we can hope for is to continue the treatments, you know, for the rest of your life. And so it was a little bit longer after that. Um, that he started to really decline. At this point, it had been probably about five months since he was diagnosed with the cancer. Um, he really started to decline, um, getting weaker. And you know, I wasn't really, because I don't live with anywhere near him, and I didn't see him. All I, all I knew was what he was telling me on the phone, that you know he seemed to be feeling okay. But from what I have under, found out later and understood more since he passed away from some people that were close to him back home, he was having a lot of problems um, the last probably couple of months, three months or so of his life. He was getting declining quickly and he just didn't want, he didn't know how to tell people that he loved that. And so me being one of those people. And so um, he, he really, really, really wanted to move to Las Vegas with me to be a closer to me, you know, especially after we found out he had cancer. You know, he didn't have anybody really back home, no family that he was close to and I was his only, you know, living daughter. Now I have a brother, but I was his only daughter. And so he wanted to be closer to me and we tried so hard to make that work happen before um, he passed away and we, we just couldn't get it all worked out. But um, so anyway, back to about October, about November, I guess he really started to decline um, quickly, very quickly. And so in January, I talked to him uh, early January and on January the 24th he was admitted to the hospital and I didn't even know he was in the hospital for till he'd been up there for about five days um, I got a call from the hospital one day one morning on the uh, towards the end of January is like around the 28th I believe 20 25th something like that or the 28th 29th something like that and anyway I got a call from the hospital back home in Arkansas that dad was in the hospital and he was not doing well um, they wanted to like, keep me informed and let me know. I was able to get a hold of a friend of, um, that had been helping dad, one of his friends, and we got, got in touch with him, and he started kind of keeping me posted on how things were progressing. And within a couple of days, um, I talked to the nurse at the hospital, and she said, Denise, she said, you know, he, he's in the end stage of his cancer. And she said, if he was my dad, I would be on a plane. And so that's when I had made the decision I have to go back, you know, because he's not, it wasn't going to be long. Um, and so, well, that's a story for another day about how God actually worked it all out so that I could get back to Arkansas. That's actually quite, quite a miracle from the Lord. But um, so I did go back um, on January the 31st. My plane landed in Arkansas that night. I talked to very late that night, about midnight, I talked to the to the nurse and um, found out they had moved him. He had signed himself into hospice um, unit at the hospital. They had just moved him over there. And she said, Denise, um, you are coming first thing in the morning. I said, yes, I'll, I'll be, he knew I was coming. 
I said, you tell him I'll be there. She said, I'll tell you this much. She said, he, he, this man is very, very scared. And dad had always been, he's a Christian, but he had always been afraid of dying his whole life. And I guess I can kind of understand that because, you know, it's just, even though I know where I'm going when I, when I die, it's kind of that fear of the unknown. Unless, till, till you get there at the jumping off point and it's your time to go, you don't really know what it's like. So I can kind of understand how why dad felt the way he did. And I couldn't even imagine being in his position, signing myself into a hospice unit at a hospital, knowing I'm not coming out of there breathing. And he was, she said he just had just been sitting in his bed and just cried and cried because he was so scared. And so I got there the next day and he was really happy to see me. And, and, uh, but after, you know, that day and then the next day, he, he, he declined very, very quickly. Um, and so I was there, that was on a Tuesday and a Wednesday. Um, Wednesday night, it started snowing and uh, we had a severe ice storm come through the area. So Thursday, I was not able to go up to the hospital, but I did call, was able to call and talk to them and keep, keep um, posted on what was happening. And so um, the next day, Friday morning, I called, wasn't even sure at that point that I was going to, this was February the 4th, wasn't even sure I was going to be able to um, go to the hospital that day. The roads were still pretty bad, but I called, when I called to talk to the nurse, she said, well, Denise, or he, he said, Denise, um, he's, he's not responsive at all. He's completely unresponsive. His vital signs are so low, we're not even able to pick them up when we try to check his vitals. Um, I knew I had to get up there. So I, I was able to get someone, a very good friend of mine um, that lives back home, um, came and got me. She came, got me, um, her, her son, and they got me to the hospital. And when I walked in, you know, dad's completely unresponsive, didn't even know I was there, or he knew I was there, but he, you know, couldn't respond to me at all. And, and really, I thought, as soon as I walked in, I thought that he's going to pass away just at any time. And actually, the doctor came in and checked him out and said, yeah, it could definitely be just any moment. Um, but he did. He held on the rest of that day, and I just I sat with him and told him about all of, just talked to him, you know, told him things that I wanted to say that I had never been able to say. And just told him about how he was fixing to go and he was going to meet some of our my brothers and sisters who passed away before I was ever even born. You know, I know I have at least one mom says that we have probably more, several um, siblings um, in heaven that were, had been there since before I was born in 1974. And then when, and I told dad, I said, you're fixing to meet, you know, brothers and sisters that you're the kids that you didn't even know that, that some of them you knew about and then one of them, or some of them you didn't know about, one of them you did. And I said, when you get there, you know, be sure you say hi to gr my grandma and tell her that we all love her and miss her here. And, you know, just, I said a lot of things. I sat there and I held his hand and cried a lot of tears. And uh, that day, we went on through all the rest of that day. I knew he was hanging on. I really didn't know why. Um, I still don't know why. He just, he held on all that day and all through the night. I did manage to go to sleep later on that evening and, and, uh. I woke up the next morning, on fe the morning of February the 5th at exactly 7.10 a.m. And I immediately turned over to look at Dad. And when I did, he took his very last breath and went to Jesus. And uh, I actually sat there for a full minute and watched him because he had been only taken up to that point. He had only been taken about four breaths a minute. 
So I wanted to see, you know, a full minute to see if he was going to take another breath, and he didn't. And so, you know, I knew that he had he was gone, and he was with Jesus, and he wasn't suffering anymore. All his tears were wiped away, and all of his fears had ended because he wasn't afraid anymore. And so, I want to back up a little bit and say this, though. God helped me to forgive my dad for all of the pain and the hurt that he had caused my entire life. Not just to me, but to my mom, you know, to my brother, you know, everybody was able to forgive him with the help of God. And, you know, my mom, when I would call her up crying, you know, she always told me, you know, when I call her up on my birthday every year crying, she always had always told me that she'd always, that was the one time she really didn't know what to say. And so she would always just say, Denise, I don't know why God is allowing you to go through these things. And I don't know why your dad is the way he is, but I know the one who does, Jesus. And she said, you know, Denise, I went through the same things with my dad. And she did. You know, her dad wasn't a nice man towards her, towards me. He, he had his own set of issues, you know, when he was alive. And that's another story for another day as well. But she honored him all of their life, all the time that that man walked this earth. She honored him and she, she prayed for him and she honored him. And then I watched her do the same thing with my father. Even though my, my, my dad was not a horrible, you know, abusive, hate, horrible man, he had his own set of struggles and his own set of issues that was not, that was standing in his way of being the man called, God called him to be, and the father God called him to be, and the husband God called him to be. But she stood by him, she prayed for him, and she honored him, and I watched her do that. And I didn't understand it at the time. I did not understand why she would do some do those things for men who treated her so badly and who treated us so badly. And, you know, she but she would always tell me, you know, Denise, just, you know, when I would call her crying on my birthday, you know, I don't know why the, why these things are the way they are, why your dad is the way he is, but just ask God to help you and pray for him. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, I, why would I want to pray for somebody that hurts me like that? I don't want to, I don't even want to pray for him, much less forgive him and honor him. I, I'm not doing that. And I would ignore her advice. Until last year when dad started to call again. And I started saying, God, how can you possibly expect me to forget, honor him and forgive him? That's too hard. I can't do that. You know, how, how can you, if you want me to do these things, you have to help me do these things because I can't. And I don't really know exactly when it happened or, or I, I just know it did. Over time, as I continued to talk to my dad, when I wasn't on the phone with him, I was praying. <laughs> you know, I was praying that God would help me honor and forgive and love. I said, God, help me to, and when, when dad got sick, God, help me to love this man like you do because I can't. Help me to forgive him because I can't. And help me to honor him because I can't. And God took, when we started talking back in February of 20, or March, most probably about March of 2021, we didn't know dad had cancer. But God did. And God had a plan. 
And, you know, God knew that Dad had cancer. He knew that I was going to need time and want time at later in the future, which I didn't know it at that time, but he knew that I was going to need and want that time to be able to reconnect with Dad and to have a relationship with Dad that I'd never had before and to be able to love Dad and forgive Dad and honor Dad. And he, uh, he gave me that time. And he gave Dad, you know, time with me. And we didn't have physical time until, you know, I went back um, last month. We didn't have physical time, but we had time on the phone. And we have memories now that I never had before with my father. And I just want to encourage you today that if you are struggling with peace and forgiveness and love, and there's people in your life. Maybe, you know, just just ask God to help you. I know maybe some of you are saying, but Denise, you just don't understand what they did to me. What my mom did to me. My brother, my sister, my father, my cousin, my aunt, my uncle, my friend. Whoever it is, you don't understand what they've done. Things so horrible, I can't forgive them. You're right, I don't understand. Because I don't know your situation. But I know the one who does. And Jesus and I promise you, there is peace in forgiveness. And if you will ask God to help you learn to forgive and learn to love and learn to honor those who have hurt you the way he does, I promise you will find peace in forgiveness. So that's a little bit of story about me and my dad. In some of the upcoming episodes, I'm going to try to talk a little bit more about childhood, uh, my childhood with my father, give you a little bit more insight there. But that's the, the, the story about how things have worked out with my father for the last 10 months of his life. I wouldn't trade any of that for anything because I have memories now, so wonderful, of conversations with my dad that I never had my entire life and I wouldn't take any of it back. None of the heartache, none of the hurt, anything that I had to go through my whole life to get to the point where I could forgive him and I had a relationship with him before he passed away, I would do it all over again if that's what it took. So in upcoming episodes, on the next episode, I want to talk to you guys about uh, Love like Jesus, dealing with grief and forgiveness. Forgiveness isn't for them. So forgiveness isn't for them, it's for you. And we're going to talk more about that on the next episode. So thank you so much for listening today. And if you're watching this on YouTube, thank you so much for tuning in and watching the episode. Please be sure to hit that uh, subscribe and like button. That really helps YouTube um, know that you enjoy my my episodes here and that you want to see more be sure to hit the notification bell so that you are notified whenever i post a new video if you're listening on one of the podcast apps or or platforms where podcasts are hosted be sure that you subscribe and hit notifications so that you get um notified when i post new podcasts on there as well and so i will talk to you guys soon and i'll see you on the next episode and until next time sis go and live your best life
Thank you for listening to today's episode. I am so glad to be on this journey with you. I would love to know how you're chasing your dreams. So be sure to send me a message and let me know. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss another episode. And until next time, sis, go and live your best life.